if you worship with us regularly, you'll know we've been taking a series on Moses when I'm with you. And uh, we've arrived at Exodus chapter 15. Last time we saw that as these people having been set free, it would appear from Pharaoh's clutches, encountered uh, an impossible way forward. The Red Sea blocked their way. Uh, their hoped for freedoms were closing in on them. And uh, we saw the word that God gave to Moses about standing still, see the salvation of God, and then to actually go forward. And we saw that that's relevant to us in life. We often hit obstacles we didn't anticipate. We hit things that we never dreamed would happen. Disappointments, setbacks that can be almost heartbreaking in their oppressiveness. And we saw the principles uh, there in terms of believing God, trusting Him, finding how faithful He is and how He brings us through difficulties. There's no promise there won't be problems. There's no guarantee that if we promise God, we won't hit obstacles. Here are people actually following a, crowd, a cloud of glory and it leads them to this problem. So we can be following God and he can lead us into situations that seem so difficult and they become training places where our faith grows, our experience of him grows in a way that can't happen actually outside of setbacks, difficulties, God allows them to happen. And then this magnificent deliverance that takes place that is constantly referred to throughout the Old Testament, how God opened up the Red Sea and they went through. It's uh, associated with the birth of the nation of Israel. Uh, out of Egypt I called my son. There are, there are people that are now in a new relationship with God. It's, an, it's a supernatural event that made this not just uh, uh, 12 tribes of people, but a people specially belonging to God. He owned them in an extraordinary way. And uh, following that event, in Exodus 15, we come to what's called the Song of Moses, uh, which if you look in the book of Revelation, you'll find is still being sung in heaven. It's a great song of victory, uh, a song of uh, God's salvation. And we'll just read through uh, this song and one or two verses beyond it. So, Exodus chapter 15. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. This is my God and I'll praise him. My father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The waters stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I'll pursue. I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I'll draw my sword my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind. The sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you? 
majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand, the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. The peoples have heard. They tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now the chiefs of Edom, dismayed, trembling, seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone till your people, O Lord, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your holy mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your own abode. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. When the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots, the horsemen, went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand. And all the women went after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider He's thrown into the sea. Father, thank you so much for the great songs we've been singing about your triumph, your victory, how you've broken chains that bound us, how you've taken away our shame, how you've rescued us from things too great for us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your saving, majestic power. Thank you for breaking powers that were too great for us to break. Lord Jesus, we honor you, we love you, we sing your praise. And we ask right now, Father, for the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Come, Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Please lead us into truth. Glorify your great name here. Edify your saints. We ask it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So here we're seeing actually what is effectively the first worship song in the Bible, you could call it Psalm number one. It's the, the first expression of love, worship, praise collectively uh, by people. Moses, no doubt, taught them this song and began to chant it to them. They began to chant it back and then Miriam starts to lead the ladies and they're singing and playing their tambourines and absolutely celebrating this extraordinary event. So it's not just uh, a time for singing religious songs. It's a response to what God has done. It's a celebration of thanksgiving. And actually it's a very instructive passage to teach us about worship. What is worship? Uh, here I think there's so much that we can learn about worship from this tremendous passage. They've been terribly shut in. They were without power to get free. They were slaves. They'd been slaves for centuries actually. And so any hope had been smashed and God had raised up a deliverer in Moses. Moses had come, as it were, from nowhere in their experience. He'd been prepared secretly by God and now he's being brought by God and bring about tremendous release. They are now freed from powers that seemed invincible and overwhelming and the enemy is thoroughly defeated and uh, they, they can barely get over it. So worship 
we need to understand, dear friends, is worship is not just, well, let's sing some religious songs together. It's not songs of praise. It's, it's a response to what God has done. It's a celebration that God has acted. And those who truly worship, and the Bible says he's looking for true worshippers, are people who are celebrating the phenomenal thing that God has done for us, that God has acted. So worship is a response it's not our initiative, it's our response to God's prior activity. God has broken us free. And that's the truth concerning the Christian in the New Testament when we're told in Ephesians that we were dead in trespasses and sins. There were powers over us that were so, so great we couldn't, there's no hope for us. And then God in his infinite mercy identified us with his son and brought us into resurrection life. And so worship is a response to what God has done. Here we see that they're singing, they're praising, and they're, they're saying the horse and the rider, he's hurled into the sea. I've not seen the latest movie on the Exodus, but they often fail to understand that the Israelites had no horses, they had no chariots, they were pedestrians, uh, they're slaves, they don't have anything. And, and suddenly this great army with its chariots, uh, its soldiers and its horses, are just such overwhelming power are coming after them. And they can just sing, hey, these horses have been taken out, these chariots have been taken out, this power has been smashed. And they're overwhelmed with joy that the Lord has demonstrated himself to be a warrior. He's a man of war, it says in the ESV. And the old King James says similar. He's a man of war. He's a warrior king. And they didn't know him as a warrior before. They had this kind of awareness that, yes, yeah, surely Abraham, the father of our nation, God had promised him nothing's happening. We're slaves. And suddenly the authentic God has stepped into their experience. And they suddenly get a revelation. He fights. This God fights for you. This God is a God of phenomenal power and action. He can actually set you free from things that were too great. And so here we not just get a song, but we get a revelation of what God is like. They can see God in a new way and they say, this is, this is our God. Our God's like this. He's a God who demonstrates himself in power. And we've observed this before, that the Bible is not a systematic theology. It doesn't give you a list. You don't turn to page one and it says God is omnipresent. God is omniscient. God doesn't do that. It tells us stories of people, their experiences, and how God breaks into their life and he reveals himself. He reveals himself in stories, in people's lives. And gradually, as we go through this book, we accumulate information about God in the way that he reveals himself to people. God loves to reveal himself to people. He doesn't live in the ether. He lives in relationship with people. He rescues them. He delivers them. They get insights. They share their insights. And very often, it's an individual. Like Abraham who's told to offer his child and then God intervenes sovereignly and says, no, don't do that, and provides a lamb. And there comes this name, the Lord will provide. And it goes down through the centuries to great missionary movements like Hudson Taylor going into China. And he writes over that whole missionary society with hundreds of missionaries going into China, the Lord will provide. It all was learned first by one man experiencing God and that name gets given to the church of God and they believe, they believe it down through the centuries. God revealing himself to people and we relating to what he reveals. We wouldn't know God if he didn't tell us. 
we can conjecture what he might be like, we can guess, but the Bible tells us what he's like. And usually it's just to an individual, like Hagar or Gideon or Abraham, where you get a bit more insight, a bit more, but here it's to a whole nation. A whole nation sees God acting with incredible power. He is a warrior. He's one who will fight for us, who one who will step into our situation. And we find the song emerges from that. And again and again, this event is referred to. So, for instance, Psalm 106, you could quote from many Psalms, He rebuked the Red Sea. It dried up. He redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The water covered them. They believed his word and they sang his praise. So that's being sung ages later. They're celebrating this. And just to notice this, they believed his word and they sang his praise. Worship is an act of faith. It's not just singing a song. They, see, worship and believing go hand in hand. That's why it's so important that we sing songs that say something real. Because we want to say, I'm singing that and I believe that. And so in a, a worship meeting can be a dynamic, should be, a dynamic event as we move from one truth to another, as we've done so beautifully this morning. You move from one truth to another and your heart echoes that. You think, that's what I believe. That's who I am. That's who he is for me. And so we're not just singing songs. And that's the difference from a kind of a religious songs of praise thing. Or it can even get confused sometimes. We used to know a group that didn't quite know whether they were a performance group or a worship leading group. And they, they, they're very gifted musicians. Uh, and sometimes they'd lead worship. But they'd lead worship and sing, say things like this. Uh, Shall we do this one? And you kind of felt, no, they're doing this one. And it wasn't like, let's come before God with this. I was once invited to uh, Mark Driscoll's church, a famous speaker in Seattle, America. And uh, they started the meeting and a tremendous funky band came on. I mean, they were brilliant. But it wasn't an invitation to worship. It was an invitation to lift to this funky band. And they were really brilliant. You felt, whoa. But people with their hands in their pockets listening to this band. And no one was singing. It was like, wow, what a performance. But it wasn't saying, hey, listen, draw near, believe this, begin to engage with this God you know. And worship invites us to engage with God. It invites us to open our spirit again. It invites us to come out of the setbacks, the disappointments, problems we're facing in life, even as we've just been hearing about family life. Just briefly, that real heartaches and pain and difficulty. We all come in from our different circumstances. We come in from what life has been for us. Sometimes maybe celebration. We just want to say thank you. Sometimes heartache and we feel, God. And it's in the worship as we begin to say things out loud and sing things, sometimes with melody that really helps us, we're beginning to enter into the things we know to be true. So worship is a living experience. It's a dynamic. And it's so important for us to understand that, beloved. As we gather, we're gathering to God. We're gathering to remind ourselves afresh what he's done. Now, of course, we can do that at home alone, and I hope we do. Uh, my day always starts with a worship moment, <laughs> sometimes quite prolonged, singing and shouting and praising because life is tough, life is demanding, life has all sorts of challenges, and I want to engage daily with this God who's enough for me. 
This God who will open up impossible things. This God who will guide me, who will help me with my family, help me with life and work. And so, and so I want to sing to him. And as I'm singing to him, I'm finding my faith is growing. My courage is being renewed. And so it says in Ephesians 5, be being filled with the Spirit, singing to yourself in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, making melody with all your heart. That's how we go on. We may have had a moment when we were filled with the Spirit the first time. You might be able to put a date on that. You know, seven years ago, whoo, had an experience of the Spirit. But it's great to say, well, actually, at 8 o'clock this morning, I had an experience of the Spirit. I was filled afresh. I enjoyed his nearness. As I, as I, and it says, be filled with the Spirit, be being filled, singing, making melody with all your heart to the Lord. And so here we see a dynamic that's taking place. They're singing and they're believing. They're singing and they're obeying. They're singing and they're proving God. Those things go together. This isn't just a little meeting. It's a people who've just believed God, held out a staff and seen a sea open up. And they've walked with faith. And they've seen this dramatic thing that their slave masters couldn't do it and they're free. And their singing is it keeps, it's in keeping with what they're proving in life. It's not mocking them, it's what they've experienced. And our worship creates a context where that can happen as we respond, as we go on with him. We are experiencing the ongoing favour of God. And actually the Egyptians see it. <laughs> as they're singing it says... In Exodus 14.25, as they're going through, the Lord is fighting for them. It becomes evident. Even those who don't know God are noticing that these people have got something else happening for them. There are things we can't explain. Events that take place. And I love this verse. It says, he made their chariot wheels come off. <laughs> you kind of imagine angels with spanners and wrenches, you know, going down, get those wheels off. And... Uh, this pursuing army, their wheels come off. It's hilarious. God is active in this, and they're grateful to God. They're singing their praise. And, see, faith has com combined with seeing the glory of God. Worship is a, a, it's an act of faith, and it, it's to do with also proving him. So these guys had proved him, trusting him. They saw his glory. And you'll find that's a common theme in the Bible. It says that uh, there's a, the wedding at Cana. I have to take a bit of Bible background knowledge for granted here. But they were at a, a wedding where they ran out of wine. Actually quite a famous story in some ways. And Jesus said to them, collect water pots. You know, come on, Jesus. It's, uh, we haven't got water problems, we have got wine problems. But he says, now take the water and pour it out. And I would think probably they might have had a few questions. We're going to look very silly uh, offering water here. But it says, they poured out this water, it became wine. As they, as they took steps of faith, they stepped into God's supernatural provision. And it says this was the first time it says in, Acts 2, in John 2, they beheld his glory. See, beloved, when you trust God, and act in faith, you don't only get an answer to prayer, you get to see God. They saw his glory. As they obeyed him, they, they saw things. And many of us could testify in our homes, in our life situation. 
God stepping in. We've, not only did it happen, but we feel, I was just chatting to Robin before the meeting about their baby about to be born, and it's the wrong way around, and they just went outside and they prayed, they prayed. And went back in again, they said, hmm, the baby's turned around. <laughs> See, yeah, God is in our lives. God is in our lives, and we not only get answers to prayer, we get, whew, God, you know about us and our baby. You're in our lives. And so many times we look back and we think, God, you've done that again and again. We saw his glory. He came with us. You see, when it comes to uh, Lazarus, Jesus' great and mightiest miracle, really, a man who's dead, and he's been dead three days. He's in, he's in the tomb. And, they, and, they, and Jesus says, roll away the stone. And they say, he'll stink. He says, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. And not only does this guy walk out, they, they, they say, God, he's, he's the Lord of life and death. Obedience brings breakthrough. Obedience brings miracles, which leads to increased worship. <laughs> we, it's, it, one leads to another. We, we trust him, we believe him, we step into the unknown, we step in just the promise, that's all I've got is a promise, and we begin to see the glory of God. We find in John 21, after the cross, resurrection, they say we're going fishing. <laughs> and he repeats that word, throw the net the other side. And it's filled with fish. And they say, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. We begin to find the Lord is in our lives. The Lord does things for us. And that, uh, we find that echo going through church life. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. He's done it. He's done it. God breaking through in our experience. A people of action and obedience will have revelation of God we find Paul and uh, Silas are led by God to go across to Macedonia there's a supernatural vision come over to Macedonia they go to Macedonia on their missionary journey and they hit hostility backlash and they're literally whipped and thrown into prison and what do we read? we read they're worshipping and praising and celebrating what happens? An earthquake breaks through. And a church is formed. People are converted. There's an obedience which comes with confidence, which is expressed in a song of praise, even before you've seen things happen, sometimes because you've seen things happen. The two intermingle. So worship and faith go hand in hand. Now we just need to see that as you go through the song, there's like another song being sung you find the enemy is singing as well. It's like the enemy says in verse 9, I will pursue, I will overtake, I'll divide the spoil, I'll draw my sword, I'll destroy, destroy them. It's like two songs being sung. And uh, it reminds me of those occasions that you can get in, uh, in, in musicals. I'm not a, I don't know my way around grand opera, but I love music. And uh, we were watching the other night Les Miserables on DVD. Uh, beautiful. And uh, there comes a moment when there are several people singing uh, about uh, th this is going to happen this day. This day is going to take place. It's going to happen one more day. And uh, one singing this about it. 
and somebody else is singing this about it, and all these different stories are coming together, and it's the same actually in West Side Story when they sing, when they're singing tonight, tonight, and this one's singing, this one's singing, and they've all got different songs happening, and here it's like they're singing, "Hey, it's freedom," and another voice is singing, "I've got them, I'll destroy them, I'll draw my sword, I'll kill them," and so in this song you get that song coming through. It's like another song's being sung, and dear friends, we can know sometimes like another song's being sung over us which is a bit discordant and actually really frightens you and, it, and it's this kind of song I've got you and that's what this uh, Pharaoh is singing I'll pursue, I'll overtake they're still mine and, and, and we need to press through in confidence in God because some of us hear things like this in our hearts I know when I was a young Christian, it's like I could hear this terribly loud. I could hear this louder than I could hear the, God, the Lord's song. It's like, I've still got you. And you feel, you know, some people think, will I, will I ever be able to walk past the betting shop without walking in? Will I ever be able to watch a game with this voice that comes in the inter- You can put on a bet now. And, you know, the flutter, the excitement of gambling. Will I ever get free from it? so exciting. It just adds another dimension to life for some. And then, well, I'm a Christian, but can I get free? And people, can, is, there a free, is there freedom for me? For some, it's pornography. Yeah, I know. I love Lord. I even I love my wife. But, well, there's a, there's a kind of excitement. There's a kind of allure. And it's like, can I ever? Can I ever really be able to say I'm absolutely free? But I'll never get drawn into that people ask that kind of question will I ever be free from actually the fear of rejection some of us have been through terrible experiences even our own parents sometimes said harsh things when you've been in pastoral ministry as long as I have you've had you've had tragic stories other people say you know we only got married because of you blaming a child that was born before they got married and then the baby came we got married and it was a wreck and, that, and, and pouring that all on the child and this horrible sense of I, I'm rejected and the fear of rejection is a very powerful thing it's like dare I trust myself dare I trust myself to a relationship of affection dare I trust myself to become committed to a church will I get hurt and some of us can't, we don't feel free. We feel we're still in some kind of bondage to those things. Frightened to even pray for fear that it won't happen again. I still won't be free. Praying, and I'm so scared to, to pin hopes on prayer because, well, it didn't work before. And sometimes this song over us, I've got you and you'll never be free, is very powerful. And, and here this song's being sung Sometimes that sense of despondency, sometimes will I ever be free from feeling depressed? Will I ever be free from that sense Well, I, I won't be able to keep it up? Again, when I became a Christian, I thought, will I be able to keep up living this kind of life? Can you, how do you live a godly life? How do I say goodbye to the world? I love the world. I, I love all that stuff I used to be in. Can I really walk away from it? And that song gets very powerful sometimes. And this song's being sung over them. I've got you, I've got you. And then you get this wonderful, wonderful answer that comes through in the song. You blew 
with your wind. <laughs> it's, like, it's like your nostrils with enough. Just this powerful enemy. So, you blew with your wind. It says they sank like lead. They sank like lead. The power of God to break through things that we think are far too great for us. God can break their power. God has, through the cross and the resurrection, broken their power. We walk free. And you get this sense of utter celebration. No, God has done it. God has broken the chains. As we sung it this morning, you've broken every chain that bound me. Beloved, that is a song of truth and testimony. We can stand, we can raise our hands and say, things that I never thought I could break free from, you've done it. Amen? You've done it. You've broken its power. And it's he who's done it. It's not our willpower. It's not as Andrew said, well, you've come to Christ, now there's a lot of rules to live. No, it's a life with Jesus who sets us free, who comes into our life, who breaks every chain. He breaks every chain. Some of them are simple. I know for myself, when I came through to God, my foul language just went. My disgusting, you would hardly know the language I used to speak, unspeakable stuff poured out of his mouth. It stopped like that. But I tried to give up smoking. It was quite a battle. And so I found, I found, I cannot imagine my first cup of coffee mid-morning without a cigarette. I can't imagine it. So I stopped having coffee in the morning. So I could push my first cigarette till later in the day. And gradually I beat it. I was down to five a day. I thought, if I can live with only five a day, I can kill those, so I did it. But so some things you have to kind of fight. You have to put to death. You take up battle against. Sometimes it's just broke, but it's Jesus who does it every time. It's his power within. We work out our salvation with fear and trembling, for God is at work in us to will and do his good pleasure. And he just felt, hey, it just fell. I think, hey, absolute freedom. Whereas once you thought, I can't see how I can get free from this. But you blew. <laughs> I love this kind of dismissive. You blew with your wind. Imagine God blew, blew on the Red Sea. God blew on the Red Sea. Imagine the fish going, where the hell, what's going on? <laughs> this wall, it says it grew out like a wall. <laughs> And they walked through, free, absolutely free, by the power of God. And then it says this wonderful thing, who is like you? And the song moves on in a sense, really. And our worship can be like that. As I said, this is a very instructive thing. There's a kind of entering in with thanksgiving. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. And as it moves on, the Lord does this, the Lord does that, wonderful Lord. And then as we move on, we're coming to, Lord, who is like you? It's me and you. It's us and you. It's like we're before you, Lord. And that's what we look for, isn't it? When we come to worship, we're looking for those moments when we're before him and we feel, Lord, it's you. You and me. Who is like you? You amaze me. You stagger me. You astonish me. You're fascinating me. And that's one of the treasures of being in a charismatic church where worship can be filled with spirit and truth and we have encounters with God. That's my longing for us as we move on more and more. There were no moments like that increasingly. And we say, who is like you? We're kind of 
indifferent to other things. Our guests are extremely welcome, but we're kind of indifferent in many ways. Because God, you're thrilling us, exciting us, moving us. If we don't know things like that, we might as well shut shop and join another church. We want to meet with God. We want times when we're just saying, Lord, you are breathtakingly wonderful. I need moments like that. Life is too tough. I can't cope with religion. It's a waste of time. I must meet God. As a people, if we don't meet God, we might as well close down. And so we come, and our worship's hugely important. It's not just the preliminaries to the preach. We gather to be in the presence of the Most High, to encounter Him, to have that in those moments when we're kind of forgetful of everybody. That's what this is about. It's kind of forgetful. Who is like you? You are God aware. More than that, you're not aware of people. You're God aware. Who is like you? You are stunningly amazing. You've just undone me. You've overwhelmed me. That's what Moses is singing here. We've just, we're staggered with you. We're overwhelmed with you. A sense of wonder. And so as a church, we can cultivate a fascination with God. That's the kind of church we want. Cultivating a fascination with God. In a secular world that doesn't know him. But we not only have rules, we have a God who fascinates and excites us and stirs us. And so they worship from all that is done. They're just filled with awe. Awe is an overused word these days, isn't it? I think I tried to protect the word awe. I was in the States with Wendy last time. I went, went to the States and a, a girl said... Um, would you like some coffee? I said, yes, please. She said, I'll get you. Another lady said, would you like some coffee? I said, I said the other waitress was dealing it. She said, awesome. I thought, that's not really awesome. <laughs> I thought, if somebody else getting me coffee is awesome, where do I go from there? What am I going to say to God? <laughs> Awesome's kind of overused, but it's, it's a very, very special word. It ought to be protected. It's a protected species word. God, you're awesome. You're awesome. You, you amaze me. You amaze me. And then we find one more thing I want to underline here. He moves into the unknown in a sense. He begins to sing about what's going to happen. He sung about this incredible thing that has happened. And then he starts singing, the people, the peoples have heard. Notice past tense. The peoples have heard. Verse 14. They tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Chiefs of Edom are dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. The inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. You see, it's sung in past tense. That has happened. Canaan, they're scared out of their lives. What's Canaan? What's the land they're going to one day? And I would think at this moment they don't even know anything's happened. But Moses moves into the prophetic. See, he's Moses, the prophet. And, and, and worship that is spirit-inspired takes us beyond. It takes us into another dimension. takes us into what we haven't yet seen happen, but we're profoundly persuaded will take place. We're persuaded of it. And, 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 and it's a prophetic song. This has happened, he says. And then he says these wonderful things. He says, you will, verse 17, you will bring them in, Plant them in your own mountain, the place, Lord, that you've made for your abode, the sanctuary, O Lord. He's talking, he's singing now about Jerusalem, which is kind of not on the map yet. 
It's a city way into the future. And he's singing like it's already happened. You, you will bring them in to your city, your sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. I love that. It's a kind of, it's already happened. It's going to happen. This won't happen until Solomon. This temple's down there in the future. It's not happened yet. And yet Moses is singing like it has happened. And this is the privilege of the saints of God that by the Holy Spirit we have an ability to live in the future. That is the mark of the Bible throughout. Throughout, right from the beginning. And that's why you find some liberal critics say, well, Isaiah, this must have been written later because he's writing about things that happened later. No, the, the whole nature of the Bible is it's supernatural. It projects into future events that haven't happened yet. And that's one of the proofs that Jesus is who he is. Because it says centuries before, they'll pierce his hands, his feet. They'll, they'll bargain and, uh, and barter for his uh, uh, gamble, for his clothing. There are all sorts of incredible details of what's going to happen to Jesus. And it's saying, look, in advance I tell you this, that you might know this is the authentic God, this awesome God. It's not like Moses. How can you say this will happen? You know, they're free. They could go anywhere. You know, they're only slaves. They might run away. No, they won't. They'll arrive. And while they're in faith, that happens. And the tragedy is this. When they got to the promised land, when they got to Canaan, they were no longer in the faith that Moses was in at this point. And they looked in and they said, wow, look at those cities. They're built up to heaven. Look at those giants in the land. I don't know if we can get in there. And faith was eroded and, and unbelief began to motivate their thoughts. And they spent 40 years wandering around. Then when they did come back under Joshua to the same boundary, they're going in, they send in spies, and the person they meet, Rahab, this first person they meet, they see, she says, almost quoting this, we're scared out of our lives. We are scared out of our lives. We heard how you crossed the Red Sea. And Moses has said it 40 years before. They're scared out of their lives. But unbelief said, no, I don't know about that. But it proved to be exactly true. Exactly true. And they went in and took Canaan. But the, the prophetic in worship can take us further than we know. We can find God singing over us, songs that we, things we never knew about. I've been over the years, been in situations where in worship, God has said things to us as a movement called New Frontiers, as church when we're in Brighton, believing God for things that were going to happen, and they happened. And we need that. We want to know, know what it is that God will bring us to where he said he brings us to. So, let's learn to worship, let's learn to believe, let's learn from this wonderful passage Sometimes you can overstate. It's interesting. There was a book that came out decades ago, some of you may recall it, called Prison to Praise. It's a huge, big seller when it came out. And it was kind of taking this principle that when you're in problems, you kind of praise your way out of them. And it was almost... It was a great book. It was an exciting book. It was a very well-written book. It drew you along. But in the end, it was almost like, here's the technique to learn. And it modelled quite a bit on Paul in prison at uh, Philippi. Paul was in prison, and instead of crying and moaning at 
the other guy saying, what are we doing here? You know, did you have the vision? No idea. What's going on? You know, moaning. It's just they sang and praised and the earthquake came. Now, that's true. And it's wonderful truth. But it was almost in that book like, that's the way you get through. That's the technique. I just want to say a cautionary word. I'm not saying we praise as a technique. And even in the scriptures, you'll find that when Daniel and these guys are, their lives are being thrown away. These guys, Daniel's three friends, are in danger of being burned to death. And they say, Our oh, God will deliver us, but if he doesn't, we trust him anyway. If he doesn't, we trust him anyway. We're not going to obey you anyway. And sometimes people want to make it just too neat and tidy that if you try this technique, if you're in problems and praise, he'll take you through. Now, it's, praise is not a technique to get something else happen. You know, you don't say happy Mother's Day in order to get some more from her. You, you don't do these things as a technique to get something else. You don't express your love to your wife to get something else. You, you do because you do. And we worship him because he's worthy. But we do see this. And I'm not going to despise this, that the reality of God loves worship. God loves us to trust him when the way ahead looks dark, when the obstacles look frightening. He loves our worship. He is worthy of worship whatever we're facing. Isn't he? He's worthy of praise. And it's so exciting to prove him faithful. It's so exciting again and again to thank him and to praise him. Similarly, you'll find that the Bible speaks about giving and trusting. You give and it will be given to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. Men shall place in your lap. That's a biblical principle. It talks in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, God will multiply your seed for sowing. Increase the harvest of your righteousness. If you give, God will give to you. And so people get hold of that and force through what's often called prosperity preaching. You know, give me your money and God will bless you, but make sure you give it to me. And uh, you'll find prosperity preaching is a pretty ugly thing. But sadly, then people kind of throw the whole thing out. But the reality, the Bible does say it. The Bible says give. It says also it will multiply your seed, not so you get a great big seed, so that you can give away more. Multiply your seed for sowing. So give, and it'll be given. You'll find yourself becoming a channel. You'll find that resources do come. You'll find the supply does come. You'll find there is a supernatural thing that takes place. We've got a gift day coming up in a couple of weeks' time. Many of us can testify, I'm sure, in this room, as is true in many, many of the churches that have found God has led, God has supplied. There came a moment when they had to buy this property or take this big step. There had to be a moment of courage. They said, right, we're going to do it. And people took risks People did incredible things. And they said, right, here, here I'm giving it. We've saved this up, but we're not doing that now. We'll do this instead. and We'll put God first. And they not only find that the need is met, they find it comes back. They find story after story that God provides. And we step into the supernatural of God's provision. Like these guys crossed the Red Sea and they encountered a God who provides. And beloved, we need to sing really, don't we, about the place... God has for us rather like Moses and as a church we've been amazing I think in the, the amount of, that has been raised already the funds, the resources have come 
and yet we, we don't yet know how it's all going to happen. We've not been able to negotiate the way forward. But it's like with a song of faith saying, God will lead us. God's got something for us. God's got an inheritance for us. God's got a place where we're going to gather and call our own. We're trusting him for it. It's a faith walk. It's a faith walk accompanied by faith worship. That he's with us. He'll bring us through. And so, beloved, let's just understand from this. God wants us to be a people full of thanksgiving, trusting him, celebrating what he has done. He's broken the chains. He's cut us loose. He's more powerful than things that seem to loom up. Things that you just think, how can I ever be free from this? Maybe you've just got a harsh tongue. Maybe you think, oh, I just, I don't, again, I don't know if I'll ever be free from this. You just need to say, no, no, no. Hey, it fell like a stone. They sank like lead. He blew with his nostril. Just, no, God is so great, he will break everything. He will do it. He's promised it. It's, his, it's what happened at the cross. We are with Jesus in his death, in his breaking of death's power. We are resurrection people. Every chain is broken. Amen? We walk into this freedom with faith and courage and songs of worship. And in the end we'll be singing, Who is like you, Lord? You're stunningly wonderful. Let us characterize this church that we are amazed with God. He's thrilled us. He's excited us. He's captivated us. Let's stand to pray. Maybe the band could come up, please. reminded of an experience that I had some years ago where a young man was, uh, his mother phoned me and her son, who must have been I guess 20, 25 something, he, uh, he'd been playing around with Ouija board and uh, opened himself up to some supernatural powers which were scaring him and he was beginning to act very strangely and uh, she was terrified and she knew I was a pastor, I was quite a young pastor I was still in my 20s and she said would you help me, would you come help my son and I came and spoke to him and I I just thought well I think she's misled, he seems pretty ordinary to me I'm just asking him questions and then uh, I turned away, I was with a friend and we were talking and then I turned back and faced him and uh, his face was the most hideous I've ever seen. His face was just amazing. I just I couldn't believe what had happened to his face. And it was so evident this guy was filled with evil. And uh I, I, I thought, Wow, what do you do? I was uh and I and I opened the Bible in Philippians two and it says uh, uh he humbled himself and was obedient to death. Uh and I thought it's a cross. I speak about it. he died on a cross and uh as I said that, the most horrendous, chilling voice came out of this guy's mouth. And this voice said, yeah, we got him. I'm talking about the cross. We got him. I thought the cross would sort this guy out. 
And uh, we got him, we got him. And it was just horrific. I'll never forget it. And I just kept on reading. In Philippians 2, it says, Wherefore God has exalted him and given him a name above every name, at the name of Jesus. And he started saying, Shut up! At the name of Jesus, Shut up! Every knee will bow. Shut up! Every tongue confess. And this screaming thing came out of him. And he had long hair and it all stood up like a, just like an incredible afro. <laughs> and uh, he was freed. Satan thought about Jesus on the cross. We've got him. We've got him. Wherefore God has highly exalted him. Given him a name above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. All the things that you feel, no, it's got me. It's got me. I can't get free from this. And Satan's mocking voice. Jesus wins the battle. He triumphed gloriously. Father, we just thank you so much for your mighty saving power. We thank you, Lord. Thank you that the horse and the rider the chariots you cast into the sea. Powers far too great for us. We thank you, Jesus. We celebrate you. We honour you. Lord, let your word do us good today. Keep us singing. Keep us full of praise. Keep us full of truth. Keep us meeting with you, awestruck by who you are, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.